From the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for October 15th, 2008. I'm John Magi, and I'll be your host this week. Pete Werner is on a leave of absence to attend to some personal matters, and he'll actually, he's going to be back with us next week. We're very excited to have Pete back, and I'm sure he'll have stories for us and tales to tell. Uh, I'm joined by our Orlando team this week. We have Will Perry, Teresa Eccles, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, and Kevin Close. On this week's show, Teresa Eccles is going to share with us her impressions of both the Food and Wine Festival in Epcot and Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Orlando from the perspective of a first-timer, as well as a mom attending with her kids. Uh, we're going to play a review of Journey to the Center of the Earth in Tokyo Disney Sea from one of our listeners who goes by CV Workout on the boards. We also have a Forum Watch segment this week where our roundtable uh, team will share with you some threads they found on the discussion boards that caught their eye. And Kevin Close has a review of the newly reopened Nine Dragons restaurant in Epcot. All that, plus roundtable rapid fire, and much, much more. Um, I don't have any housekeeping this week. Does anybody have anything for housekeeping? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you, Julie? Oh, I'm thinking, um, no more, no box cameras, no. Um, <laughs> have they written to you? <laughs> yes. Just one person from Louisiana. <laughs> um, Gibson Oakley, he was our chat moderator a couple weeks ago. And he was allowed to pick a number, Kevin told him. So, number five. You have won a Richard Petty driving experience. You'll get a chance to sit behind the deal of an actual NASCAR race car. Like 14? Laps around an actual racetrack. The approximate value of this prize is $400. Congratulations and thanks for listening. He would be able to just do the ride-along, correct? Yeah, ride-along. Yeah. Yeah. How old is he? 14. He's 14. <laughs> Here's a really cool prize you can't use, Gibson. You won uh, drinking uh, around the world. <laughs> <laughs> should we pick a different one? No, I think we should uh, see if Gibson wants this and we'll work with him on it. Yeah, um, I mean, if he could, if he wants to do the ride-along, that would be great. Or if he can give it to someone else in his family, maybe. Yeah. He seems like a really good kid, so we'll see what he wants to do about it, but that's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I picture trying to pry Gibson's fingernails out of the dashboard. Oh, I disagree. I bet you he thinks it's really cool. I bet you he has a great time. Gibson. That's funny. We've given you something you can't use. Gibson's mother's <laughs> going to love us. <laughs> We're sending your son rocketing around a track. <laughs> but he is a professional NASCAR driver, right? He'll be fine. Do the ride along. I would recommend it for sure. All right, Gibson, we hope you can enjoy that prize. Um, I also want to say one more thing for housekeeping. We're recording during the middle of a monsoon, apparently. It is raining really hard here so in Orlando today. So if you hear a funny noise from the background, that's probably the rain hitting the windows, and hopefully we won't lose power or anything. All right, let's move on to news. Uh, my first news story is Universal Orlando Lowe's Hotels will feature new Jurassic Park and Dr. Seuss-themed kid suites. Universal Orlando Resort issued a press release this week to announce the addition of specially themed rooms in the resort's on-site Lowe's hotels. At Lowe's Portofino Bay Hotel, the new kids' suites 
feature a brilliant splash of colors, patterns, and characters, and whimsical designs from favorite Dr. Seuss stories like The Cat in the Hat, Horton Hears a Who, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, and The Sneetches. I don't remember The Sneetches. <gasps> tell me about them. I, I can't tell you. <laughs> Is it a secret? I don't remember them either. <laughs> These rooms will feature wacky furnishings and Seussian decor, kind of like Will's apartment. Seussian. Hey. I'm going to start using that word. <laughs> Designers successfully created a three-dimensional, larger-than-life experience that immerses kids in their favorite characters from Seuss Landing of Islands of Adventure, at Islands of Adventure. The South Park-themed Lowe's Royal Pacific Resort will have the world's first Jurassic Park-themed hotel suites. From raptor cage light-up headboards to custom wall murals, furniture, and artwork from the making of the movie. These dino suites bring the thrill of Jurassic Park of the Jurassic Park ride at Islands of Adventure roaring back to life. You're going to keep hearing that thump, thump, thump <laughs> so that the water in your glass moves, really. Kids get eaten in there the hallway. There should be an actual raptor yeah. in the headboard. <laughs> Ooh, cow offerings to feed the animals. Um, it's a little the scary to me. It was a sheep, wasn't it? It was a, she- oh, yeah, a, it was it was a goat or something. When was the last, or the last Jurassic Park made? Like, oh, a long time ago. Yeah, 1950. Yeah. <laughs> it was in the 90s. It's been, yeah. Since E.T. <laughs> yeah. No. So why are they just since Jaws? No, the latest one was I'm the one you. with Tina Leone. <laughs> it's in the late nineties. That's the one where like she screamed 90s, yeah. and they found the phone in the dinosaur. Pool. Right. And at the Hard Rock Hotel, music-inspired kid suites make the little ones feel like rock star royalty. All three on-site hotel kid suites feature two twin beds or bunk beds, a king bed in a separate room for mom and dad, flat panel TV in each bedroom. Sorry, guys, but that's going to do it for the news. Uh, There was a small technical issue, and we lost the last part of the news and a little bit of rapid fire. Uh, We're going to come back in now in the middle of rapid fire uh, with Kevin. So sorry for the inconvenience. And here's Kevin. Uh, Walt Disney World is giving a permanent photo opportunity. Uh, They're giving a home to the Cars characters. Uh, The Cars characters from the 2006 Disney Pixar movie Cars are going to have a permanent home at Walt Disney World, and it's going to be called Luigi's Garage. The area is going to give little kids, or any kids actually, uh, who are fans of the movie, a chance to meet robotic versions of Lightning McQueen and Tomator. These are the animator characters whose voices in the movies were provided by Owen Wilson and uh, Larry the Cable Guy. The cars uh, have recently been found at Hollywood Studios for a couple of years, but they've not had a permanent spot until Luigi's Garage was finished a couple of weeks ago. The spot is in the fictional desert town of Radiator Springs, and it's located between the Muppet 3D Vision attraction and Lights Motor Action in the park's Street of America section. So they're actually... going to be a scheduled thing where you'll get to see uh, Lightning and Tomator. This is cool. Kids love those. Yeah. Mm. I even like the Cars characters. That's a I good section too. of uh, Disney's MGM Hollywood Studios to put that. <laughs> yeah. You saw, you saw people got on me for calling it Disney's Hollywood Studios. Oh. Corey, you were wrong. <laughs> you had, I don't know. That's how okay. To- John called whatever... Star Wars movie it was obscure <laughs> people were coming out the woodwork to tell him it was not obscure <laughs> sorry again another file in the who cares category <laughs> I don't know how to describe them they're like your second cousins or third cousins were here on vacation the little kids were here and the littlest one was crazed to find 
Oh yeah, tow meter. Was My his, cousin's kids. Yeah, and he just was. This was his obsession. Was he going to see him? Was he going to see him? Well, apparently they were walking in Disney Hollywood Studios one day and turned the corner, and tow meter was there, and the kid like had a seizure, <laughs> like he had seen, you know, a rock star. He had right. gone crazy. So I think this is a cool idea. Yeah. Give him one place, and so people know where to go and see him. I agree. Very it's, cool. It's a it's a nice it's a nice alternative for the f- folks who are princessed out. You know, you, you can only drag those little boys to hug the princesses once so often. So this gives you know people are always talking about there's no little boy interaction areas. You think they're going to hug the cars? Yes, I think Will would. <laughs> I definitely would. This is the uh, the big car that they have in the parades, right? Yeah, the big red one. Yeah, sounds real good. Thank you, Kevin. I don't have a rapid fire this week. How about you, Will? Do you have one for us? I do. I have uh, this uh, this month's headliner for Velvet Sessions. It's Eddie Money. It's going to be two weeks from this Thursday. So, do you know who Eddie Money is? Just like Ronnie said, rock star, little baby. I I don't have any of his CDs. (laughs) He has more than one. Oh, this is this is going to be a bad week for us. <laughs> We're so going to get blasted this week. <laughs> when is that? October thirtieth. That's the thirtieth. Yeah, I still haven't been. I haven't. There hasn't really any, been anyone that. Um, you should go for the free food and booze. It's still yes. a good time. Well, it's not free if you pay twenty. <laughs> well, I mean, bucks, but it's still twenty five dollars. It's fun. It brings out some. <laughs> I would only be locals. interested if he was going to have Ronnie Spector there to sing with him. That would be cool. Um, I think the whole idea behind those Velvet Sessions, though, is to bring out some acts who are not that popular anymore because of the price that they would have to charge, right. pay to, to be in this venue. So I don't think you're going to find any current acts that you might be aware of. No. Like Brett Michaels when he came. He <laughs> or any $50. from the 90s, like when you were born. Hey. <laughs> Brett Michaels charged $50 yeah. Yeah, for that. I would not pay $50 to see him anywhere. And he sold out. He's, you know... Reinvent himself from the rock of love. Give me a break. All 17 seasons. Now I might. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't have went to Shaka Khan, but I might go see this one. He's a rock, you know, rock music, so who knows? Why wouldn't you have gone to see Shaka Khan? Shaka Khan's just not up my alley. Huh. That's Kevin's alley. <laughs> I have to show you a different alley. <laughs> <laughs> and on that creepy note, <laughs> Teresa, do you have a rapid fire for us? I do. Several weeks ago, you mentioned that uh, Tinkerbell and her little fairy friends were coming to the Magic Kingdom. We are not. It's <laughs> oh. Kevin's alley. <laughs> well, New Pixie Hollow attraction opens at the Magic Kingdom on October 24th. This is a walkthrough attraction where you would get the feeling that you were being shrunk down to fairy size. You will hear Tinkerbell speak for the first time and meet her fairy friends. Silver Mist, the Water Fairy, Rosetta, the Garden Fairy, Iridessa, the Fairy of Light, Fawn, the Fairy of the Animals, Pixie Hollow will be in Mickey's Toontown Fair. The opening coincides with the straight-to-DVD release of Tinkerbell's new movie on October 28th. Now, the other fairies that didn't get to come to the Magic Kingdom that are in the series that I'm aware of because I have a small child is Queen Clarion. She's the ruler of the fairies. Bess is the art fairy. Prilla is a young fairy who doesn't quite know what she is or what she's doing. Beck talks to animals. And to me, she's kind of butch-looking compared to the other fairies. She's like a little boy. And then there's Fairy Mary, who is a chubby matronly teacher fairy. And Vidia, whose claim to fame is that she's fast. That's for you, John. Okay, so there's Vidia, the onion fairy. Yes. There's Rosetta, the I'll teach you other languages fairy. Mm-hmm. 
You're thinking Vidalia. <laughs> Rosetta, the infomercial fairy. Infomercial fairy. <laughs> the Rosetta Stone, where they teach you different languages. Yes. Didn't you say there was a poo-sized fairy? Which one? Was that? That's um, Fairy Mary. Fairy, fairy Mary, Mary is a little chubby. She's poo-sized. She kind of. She's like know, Mrs. I, Shrek. I, yeah, I identify with her. She's a matronly, you know, kind of a teacher to the fairies. There is a website, pixiehollow.com, where you can go get the latest fairy info, make your own fairies. You can email Tinkerbell and get responses from her and her friends, play games, lots of other fairy stuff. So what do you think the deal is? Why don't you think they're being invited to I think they had to pick Tinkerbell's closest friends. It's, still, it's my daughter's The inner opinion. circle. The it's inner like, circle. It's like mean fairies. <laughs> <laughs> and if you see the other fairies, if you go to the website, they, they don't look as... As sweet and clean as the other ones, they're more. They're not as pretty. They're not as well drawn. They're not. They aren't. We've got them all at our house. I've been stepping on them for a year. We've had all the little fairies at our house since Christmas. We even have them in the middle of the table. So you think there's going to be good fairies and bad fairies eventually? They're all good, but I think there's going to be mischievous Mischievous ones. Yeah, I think the little. um, Let's see, which one is it? Fawn. Now we've saw the little uh, preview of the movie. We watched that yesterday. And one of them sounds like she came right out of the hills of some backwoods country. It doesn't even sound like a fairy. And Tinkerbell sounds like Barbie in all the Barbie movies to me. Oh. So, you know, that voice, yeah. that real... It's not a Tinkerbell voice. Hmm. Tinkerbell's a tough character. They really have that to tread is. lightly with her. But Stella and I will be there for the opening on the 24th. She's real psyched about it. You going to camp, camp out overnight? Probably not. I think she's going to skip school, though. We're going to head over there and... What a lucky girl. Check it out. I'll let you all know. Very cool. Thank you, Teresa. Julie, what do you have for us? Mine is not so rapid, so bear with me. ABC's Super Soap Weekend is taking place at Disney's Hollywood Studios the weekend of November 15th and 16th. An on-location fast pass is going to be needed for celebrity autographs, and these will be distributed starting at 8 a.m. when DHS will be opening for the event. These are the rules that apply. Kevin, no. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Write these down. Theme park admission is required for on-location autograph fast pass. The All My Children autograph fast passes are going to be distributed at Lights, Motor, Action, Extreme Stunt Show. Your One Life to Live fast pass is going to be distributed at Star Tours. And then General Hospital will be distributed at the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular. These are a limited number, first-come, first-served basis, and they will have designated times for you to get your autograph. Once these are gone... Standby tickets are going to be distributed, but these do not guarantee that you will be able to obtain an autograph. It depends on the celebrity schedule. You know how divish they can be. <laughs> so anyway, there are a few. I'm just going to list uh, three from each show who are going to be there. There's Rebecca Buttig, who plays Greenlee on All My Children, Bobby Eakes, who plays Crystal, and Melissa Claire Egan, who plays Annie, both from All My Children. And then One Life to Live, you have Kristen Alderson, who is star. Brandon Buddy, who is Cole, and Farrah Fath, who is Gigi, which I'm very upset because she used to be on Days of Our Lives, and she was one of my favorite characters. She's a traitor. And then General Hospital, you have Kelly Monaco, who everyone knows from Dancing with the Stars. She plays Sam. Brandon Barash, who plays Johnny, and Kirsten Storms, who is Maxie. Now, on another note, this is the final Super Soap weekend. Disney's Hollywood Studios is no longer going to host the ABC Super Soap weekend. In 2009, ABC is launching the Soap Nation Tour, with daytime stars appearing at different venues, including a three-day cruise from Los Angeles to Mexico, and then also contests for trips to New York and Broadway Cares 
and beginning part oh and for the beginning part of the CMA music festival so goodbye to Super Soap Weekend this is a very odd decision by Disney yeah why can't you do both why can't you do all those things it's such a popular weekend I mean it's nothing I've ever been to or anything but it's usually packed people go nuts over the star the soap stars do you guys go no I've never been never been really I don't watch ABC soaps they're too trashy we have friends who go and (laughs) she loves it unlike the ones you watch (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was going to say is there any different really yes there are better quality soaps out there (laughs) the deep meaningful ones days of our lives duel is a great soap I used to watch that 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 in another world Mm. oh another world is that still on no that was my grandma's soap I liked all my kids <laughs> Is Marlena still on Days of Our Lives? Oh yes. Has she married everybody in Salem? Oh, she was married to everybody. No, I only know John and Roman. <laughs> so, if you're a Super Soap Weekend fan, this is your last year. Yes. How sad. Thank you, Julie. And does she still have an evil twin? She was killed a while ago. Well, like years and years ago. Do we need to release a special show just for soaps? <laughs> I just wanted to know what I had missed, and apparently nothing. Soaps and chocolate by Julie and Kevin. <laughs> that, that could be a really good Saturday Night Live skit. <laughs> Super. Super. Uh, all right, next up, we're going to play a recording we received uh, from someone who goes by the name of CV Workout on the Boards. She had a chance to experience Journey to the Center of the Earth in Tokyo Disney Sea, and she wanted to give us a rundown of what the, uh, the ride was like, and sort of just give us a review. So we're going to play that for you now. Hi, podcast team. This is CV Workout. I have been a podcast listener and fan for about a year now. This summer, I was able to go to Tokyo Disney Sea, and I have a review of their signature ride, The Journey to the Center of the Earth. I think people are pretty curious about that, and most Americans haven't done it. But I'm really recording this because I'm getting tired of explaining to people why it is that I wasted a day of my Japan vacation at a Disney theme park. So I wanted to talk about that to somebody who will get it. The thing I love the most about the Journey to the Center of the Earth is its awesome ride location. To access it, you uh, enter a cave that's located inside an active volcano. The cool thing is that the volcano erupts at regular intervals, so you can stand outside and watch it. It's really a cool, spectacular effect, especially at night. Big fireballs shoot out the top of the volcano. And, of course, you can view it as much as you want without even standing in line. You walk into a cave, and it has the name of the ride in both English and Japanese etched into the wall in what looks like glowing lava. This is where you enter the first part of the queue. We had a fast pass, though, so we were able to bypass that part. The only thing I could tell to see in that line was a kind of a glassed-in area that looked like maybe it was supposed to be the office or the lab of the person from the book had his tools and books and stuff like that. But with the the fast pass, we uh, went around all that, so I didn't really get a good look at it. The fast pass took us directly to the elevator. And remember that elevator that used to be in the Living Seas? I think they called it the Hydrolator. Well, this was that kind of a fakey elevator. It was the Terravator or something like that. You know, it probably didn't go very far, but it rattled and it got darker as you went down. And I think I recall a little shaking as well, creaking and groaning. The elevator took us to a second line, which was the line to get on the ride cars. On the day that we were there, that part of the ride had about a 30-minute wait. 
And the problem was that it was just really hot that day. It was in August, and it was really hot in that line. Now, I know that in the book, it's supposed to be hot. You know, the closer you get to the center of the earth, the hotter it gets. But personally, I could have done without that particular bit of authenticity. I was really wishing that Disney would crank up the air conditioning. The ride cars look kind of like little bulldozers, only they're all enclosed and they're pointed on the end. So anyway, we uh, boarded our little bulldozer and off we went. The ride itself has some pretty cool special effects. There were sparkly crystals and magic mushrooms. There was electrical sparking and flashing, kind of like a lightning storm. There was some sort of a cave-in, which necessitated a drastic detour all of a sudden there. And there was a scary monster, which we barely escaped from. The most fun thing, though, is at the end of the ride when you get blasted out of the top of the volcano, sort of like Splash Mountain in reverse. But all too soon, the ride was over. It seemed quite a bit shorter to me than Splash Mountain or Expedition Everest. My overall impression of this ride was that it was not as scary as I expected, and with me, that's a good thing, because I thought it would be more like a roller coaster, and I was a little bit scared to ride it, but it's really more of a dark ride with special effects and an exciting ending. And it really went slower than I expected. Even though the script was in Japanese, I was able to follow the story pretty well. And really, overall, it was a lot of fun, although it was too short, in my opinion. And I do wish we had this ride in Florida. But before you get to feeling too deprived, though, consider this. It was pretty easy to see which ones of our rides were the inspiration for this one. You can take the elevator from the Living Seas, which I've already mentioned, add the monster from Dinosaur, the crystals from the old journey to the imagination, the park view from the top of Splash Mountain, the quick turns from the Thunder Mountain Railroad, mix them all together and you've got Journey to the Center of the Earth. I enjoyed it, but Splash Mountain's still my all-time favorite. If you ever get a chance, you should go to Tokyo Disney Sea. And thank you for letting me have my say and um, I'd like to let you know again how much I enjoy your podcast. I get a lot of great tips from y'all, and the ones about keeping cool and staying hydrated were really helpful for my entire Japan vacation, and not just my Disney day. I've had a lot of other money-saving tips from you guys, like uh, flying into Tampa instead of Orlando on Southwest to save money. also have a special thank you to Will for the video tutorial on how to record with Audacity. I had downloaded Audacity before, but I was never able to quite figure out the lame file thing, so uh, thank you, Will, for that. So thank you, and keep up the awesome podcast. Well, thank you very much for that review. Uh, Julie, what's her real name? Colleen. Colleen, thank you very much. <laughs> she never signs her emails. <laughs> she finds some CV workouts. I don't know who she is. Yeah, for a long time, I would write, hi, CV. <laughs> <laughs> Colleen, thank you very much for that review. It sounds like a cool ride. Um, uh, one of the things I wanted to mention was you talked about Fast Pass. That's the problem I have with Fast Passes anyway, is that you sort of bypass the queue, which in a lot of rides is part of the fun, part of the story. So that's one of the, the problems with Fast Pass in general. And um, I think that you're seeing a trend towards Disney rides in general where they just use bits and pieces of other stuff. If you, you know, would like a second opinion, I'm willing to go. You want to go? <laughs> you're very good at volunteering for that stuff. I'm so proud of you. Paris, too. I'm a giver. <laughs> <laughs> I think it sounds great. Uh, Anything new they can bring to, to Walt Disney World is cool, too. And I think this would have a place in Hollywood Studios. This would make for a good ride addition to that park as well, I think, if we they bring it here. But that's one of those movies. Is that movie really popular? Do, do people really know about it? Have you ever seen it, Julie? No. So 
Brendan Fraser just did a remake of it in that, 3D. That's true. That's very true. And actually, I think it made a lot of money. So maybe they will consider bringing it back. I still won't see it. Journey, that's a classic. Old school Classic movie, old movie, really. It's along the lines of, uh, um, what's the submarine one? Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, yep. Or 20,000 Leagues. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, that's what I was thinking. Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea was a TV show. Was it? (laughs) Dive, dive. And for that review, for calling in and giving us that review, we're actually recording an MP3. We're going to let Colleen pick a number. Awesome. Julie will take care of that and contact you and let you know what you have to do to pick a number. I was glad to hear that her favorite ride is Splash Mountain. It's mine, too. But I haven't got to ride it in a really long time. Yeah. (laughs) There's something missing from a lot of rides today where they don't do that same storytelling anymore. Mm -hmm. Splash Mountain really tells a story from beginning to end. So we'll see if they bring that back. Excellent. Let's move on. We're going to talk to Teresa. For a few minutes, we're going to talk to Teresa. She had a chance to go to the Food and Wine Festival and Halloween Horror Nights over the past couple weeks. And I know we've talked about these events before, and we've given our opinions, and those of us who have done it. But I think we want to give—I want to give people uh, from time to time a fresh perspective on stuff. Some of us who've been every year, year after year, we tend to look at this from what's new, what's different, what's yeah. better, what's worse. So it's nice to have Teresa's perspective from, this is the first time you've done both of these, correct? Correct. So tell us your thoughts. And, you know, we're not really looking, I'm not really looking for specifics and, you know, like how much stuff costs and things like that. Give us your impressions of these. That's good because I didn't buy anything. Um, (laughs) You went to Food and Wine Festival and didn't eat? (laughs) No, we did. (laughs) Sad. I want to start with Universal. Okay. Because we did that first. Um, I left Stella at home because she's six and we thought it'd be kind of freaky for her. So my husband stayed home with her. Um, Uncle Walter took Max and Grace and I. Max is 18. Grace is 13. I'm old, so I figured I could handle it. Um, I thought it was going to be scarier than it was. And I was surprised that it wasn't. And I was glad it wasn't because I was looking for the CPR people when I first got there. Where's the defibrillators? But um, I was scared. I didn't know I could scream that much. I screamed a lot. Did you experience everything? Did you go into the haunted house? We went into every haunted house. Did you really? We did. We had the express pass. Is that what you call it? Mm -hmm. And that really helped. We did every haunted house and every scare zone. We didn't see the shows. We're going to go back and do that. But um, the scare zones I liked a lot. Some of them, you're just walking along, and all of a sudden, Grace is pulling my arm off, screaming her head off, and there's somebody up in her face yeah, just they were screaming. Really cool. They were. I mean, Grace swears she felt the guy's teeth on her neck at one point, but <laughs> I don't think they could actually do that. <laughs> yeah. And Walter screamed. Ooh, he's a screamer, too. So how- <laughs> <laughs> I wish you would have had the handheld thing with you. Yeah. <laughs> and there was screaming. one house. I don't, um, I want to think it's Interstellar Terror, where the, the hallway spins yeah. and you have to walk through it. Walter became paralyzed in there and could not move. And Max had to drag his body out of there. <laughs> but um, You were worried about the kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Grace held my hand the whole time. She'll have me for saying that. But, but it was fun. It was good. I liked the little um, the details, the little people walking around with the uh, IV carts with the blood bags yeah, on them for the drinks. blood shots. Yeah. Did you get one? No. No, I did not. I did something, some sort of Bloody Mary drink, bloody something in a glowing glass, which I had to drink really quick because you couldn't go in a haunted house with it. How long did you have to uh, wait? You had, you had the express pass. 
Not very long. Yeah. Not very. The longest, um, I want to say Reflections of Fear was the longest wait. Did you go during the week or a weeknight? A weekend? We went on a weeknight, a Thursday night, and it was packed. Totally wow. packed. But yeah. it was fun. I mean, I didn't know I was a screamer. I'm a screamer. Yeah, the closer you get to Halloween, it's going to start getting more and more crowded. When we first got there, it was still slightly daylight. So I thought, well, this is not very, you know. But then when it got dark, it seems like we would take a potty break, come out, and it was pitch black. Mm-hmm. you got to go at night. Oh, yeah. Just, With uh, the monkeys flying over your head. And, uh, yeah. It was pretty intense. We're going back. Do you think they focused on you because you were a screamer and Grace was more scared? Do you think they like went after you guys more? Well, I thought that. So I tried to not scream, but that just made them irked them on even more to come after me, I think. <laughs> it made them angry. Yeah, because there was one house. Um, Alice in Wonderland was gutting the ra- the white rabbit, and she had his guts in her hand, and they were pulsating. And Walter screamed, she killed the rabbit. <laughs> and she turned with her knife and her guts and just come at him. like. So it, it kind of made it more, you know... It was geared towards you when you when you yeah, walk yeah. through these things. It wasn't your reaction. It was Walter's reaction that could ever be chasing after you with knives and stuff, huh? Yeah. That was, <laughs> was my favorite funny. one of the house. Was it? That and one. the did you see the big, um, the wolf, I guess, towards the end of that house? He jumped right into my face. I did not see it coming. I was looking to one side thinking something's going to come out <laughs> over here. And I turned around and he was, I mean, his nose was right in my face. And I obviously screamed as Grace was pulling me through the house. So. What did it, Max think? Max tried to play it cool. I mean, he he was shocked a few times. The one house where they had the inbred mountain people. What was that one? Creatures. Creatures, yeah. <laughs> it was like... I hear banjos. <laughs> Go ahead. What do you want to say? Kevin's just holding it back. Nothing. <laughs> that one was kind of creepy. And kind of, you know. Did you go in dead exposure? Yes. Is that where Bloody Mary was? No, no, no. That strobe was the lights. strobe lights. Yeah. That was freaky. Because you couldn't tell what was real and what was not real. Go ahead, Kevin. Say it. Nope. He's like zipping his lips shut. <laughs> so you had seen the commercials for it. Yes. And the billboards for it. And you mm-hmm. heard us talk about it. So this was something you'd never really wanted to do. No. You never thought this was going to be fun. When you guys found it was fun, right? It was fun, yeah. I enjoyed it. I really had a good time. It's funny you said it wasn't as scary as you thought because I've, I've always thought that, that there are advertisements, there are billboards. And, and oh, the all, commercials. All that stuff. And the commercials. I mean, they're always really, really scary. And then you go in there and you're expecting that, like, you know, extremely scary. Uh, yeah, event. the first couple of houses, you know, you're a little worried and you're thinking, okay. And I didn't like the house where you had to walk through that plastic that was stuck to your face. I don't know what that, that was, um, I think that was Reflections of Fear. It felt like there were, it was other people had touched it, and you know it was kind of. <laughs> I didn't kinda like messy. that house too much. Did you like that? No, one? it didn't. Uh, I don't know. You just kind of walk through it. Mm-hmm. They talk about her. Did you ever at once feel like you were uh, in danger, or someone was going to touch you or hurt you, or anything like that? No, I don't think so. What about the chainsaw guys? I, yeah, I didn't like those. <laughs> they chased me into the bathroom at one point. But it was fun. I did it again. We will do it again. I say you're looking forward to going back. That's yeah, a, that's a good endorsement yeah, for it. We definitely are. <laughs> well, you got to see Bill and Ted's when you go. Yeah, back. that's what Walter said. We have to go back. I want to see Rocky Horror just for the nostalgia, the classic nostalgia. Yeah. yeah, I've got to see that. 
I saw a picture thing online the other day. Tim Curry from Rocky Horror Picture Show is 62 years old. Oh, my Lord. That makes you feel old. Doesn't he it? doesn't really does. look it. In this picture, he did. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you guys are going to go back. You're going to, when you go back to see the shows, you think you're going to do the, ha- the Haunted Houses again? Or is that like you've done it? No, the- I think I'll do it my favorites again. Go through it again. Walk through the scare zones either way to see, you know, what you missed the last time. I think this says a lot because I think there's a lot of people out there who said, I'll never do it. It seems too scary for me. And you guys had a good time. Yeah. I I thought I would be too old for it or not be able to run quick enough when I was being chased. I never did run. (laughs) I just calmed down and kept telling myself, it's not real. It's not real. It's not real. They're making minimum wage. They're making minimum wage. (laughs) That's right. It's really not a monkey, you know, so... And there were no clowns, which I was quite happy. I did not see any clowns. There was that one year where the theme was clowns. <laughs> Creepy. But we'll go back. Definitely an A+. Plus. Great. So what do you think of food and wine? Food and wine was good. We also went uh, during the week, went on a Tuesday night. Took the whole family this time. I uh, should have fed Grace before. She's not a world traveler, I found out. There were no chicken nuggets. There was no French fries other than McDonald's, which I would not let her go to. Um, We enjoyed uh, the other kids enjoyed it. Was she was she skeeved out by the thought of the things, or did she? No, she just has no no palate for any. She's not adventurous. All right, so it wasn't like you brought it over. Wasn't like you brought it over to her and she said, "This is gross." No, she tried a few things. She tried, um, I think, the potato soup in Ireland. And a funnel cake. Does that count for anything? No. Yeah, right. It's always there. <laughs> so, and then she had some ice cream when I was over there getting some frothy little orange vodka drink. I'm not sure where oh, that was. Oh, that's in France. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's the Grand Marnier Orange Slushie. Okay. I haven't had one of those in a while either. I had two of those. Those are, those are good. <laughs> I hung there for a while. <laughs> but the rest of the kids, we all enjoyed it. My husband enjoyed it. Um, we all, it was interesting the way we picked different things. We all didn't eat at every location. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Max tended towards uh, Australia, New Zealand, San Francisco. I was more towards Japan and uh, Ireland and Turkey, and so it was. It was fun. That's part of the fun of it is finding something for everybody right. along the way. Right. How big were the crowds? It was crowded. I was surprised. I was, and we had gotten the um, the gift card that you talked about, and that really helped. Oh, it good. does. We were fighting over who was going to strap it to their wrist. <laughs> who has the power? Yeah, who has the power of the little card? <laughs> Max was trying to outspend everyone. How much did you load up on the card? Um, we started out with 200, and I think we left with about 50 left. Okay. And, and we how, were there all night. And how many of you were, how many of them were you? There were six of us, Walter and, and my husband and the three kids and I. So there were three adults and three kids? Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you leave fall? I did, yeah. Okay. And I, other than Grace, who... Did the rest of the folks leave fall? I think so, yeah. The reason I'm saying this is I talked last week about the party for the mm-hmm. census, and we talked about the fact that for two people that was 170 or $270. Right. You're telling me that six people, well, five people if you don't count Grace, yeah. five people ate for 150 mm-hmm. It just goes, to, it, it proves my point as to how expensive this, this party for the census thing right. really was. So We did, because when we first... I had no idea what to expect because it was our first time. And I think we went to Canada first, and we got the cheddar cheese soup. And he handed me this tiny little reservoir. Yeah, a thimble of, you know, a tasting for whatever it was, 3 or $4. And I looked at Stella, and she said, are we going to share this? Or am I going to get my own? 
So she had her own. But some of the things you got a lot of. Right. And other things, you know, you were fighting for it. So. Did y'all see a concert? We did. Know? We saw En Vogue, which absolutely thrilled Walter and my husband, Calvin. Oh, cool. I like En Vogue, too. I didn't know what it was. Who, I might have heard of them, but I didn't think they had any songs until I heard some of it. That's one of those, yeah. A lot of times when you pass by the theater and their, the groups are going, and you're going, I don't know who this is. And then the, the song Then they started singing, right? yeah. Embarrassed Grace. You know, we were kind of, we weren't dancing, but we were swaying to the music. <laughs> she was, She's like, I'm going to hang out in Pearville. She's like, I'm out of here. Max walked off to do some texting, and uh, Stella was getting it. And, and uh, But I am. I need someone to go back with me, guys. I, I was there go Saturday. Back. Um, with a few girlfriends and really? one of their parents, and it was so crowded. I'm like, I'm never coming back on Saturday. You got to think about it. We're in the middle of October, and we were there Sunday, and it was packed. The parking lot at Epcot was all the way out to the road. The spots were filled. We haven't seen that in a while. Wow. So it's That's a good. very weird thing, and they're talking about the economy being so bad, and yet these parks are so crowded. Well, it was packed on a Thursday night. Is this what you thought it was going to be when we talk about food and wine? Was this different in any way? It's sort of what I had pictured. Um, I pictured the lines to be longer and there to be more, um, I guess, more choices at some of the places. But um, it was good. I mean, we saw your favorites? My favorites, um, the sushi. I enjoyed that. That was your first time having sushi. It was my first time having sushi. So you had the tuna or the California roll? I had both. <laughs> wow, that's good. <laughs> and Stella touched it and ate a tiny bit. She wanted to try it. She was dying to try it because she thought it looked pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a good. That's a big point when you're six. You know, it's pretty. I'm going to eat it. And everybody else walked away. Max was off texting. You know, Kelvin was off drinking some wine in France or something. I don't know where he was. Always over there in vogue, and I guess. But um, the beef medallions were a big hit. With those were really good. Max, we were fighting over that in San Francisco. In San yeah. Francisco, right? I really enjoyed that too. And Stella had a gigantic strawberry shortcake mm-hmm. in San Francisco, which Walter helped her eat. And um, what else? The bay scallops were good in New Zealand. I'm trying to think, what else? The salmon was good in Canada. You can smell that from yeah. across the yeah. park. Oh, it, it's like, woo! You don't like that? <laughs> I don't eat salmon. No. It was good. I think the ducks on the lake ate part of Kelvin's. But, <laughs> but uh, we enjoyed it. But I'm going back, Kevin, and I want you to come with me. You know what I want to go for. I told you I'm willing to go. David what Cassidy. First um, three days in November, election week. I'm willing to go. 38 years I've been waiting. <laughs> <laughs> if you dance, I'm going to go text, though. Are you? Uh, <laughs> by scream and cry? No, that's okay. You can do that. I'd be happy to go. Great. Did you have anything in Louisiana? I did not. There was a long line there. Yeah, there's a. There was a long it, they, line. It's like a queue there. It is. It's cute. We walked around and saw the little Tabasco bottles mm-hmm. and everything they had. It was really nice. I, I was surprised. The longest lines we saw there were for margaritas and um, the cheese. Oh, at the mouse catch? Yeah. Now, we should actually tell the truth. We went from the entrance to World Showcase. To China. Oh. So we've seen roughly a quarter of it. Yeah. Right, but I mean, still, that margarita line was like 60 people long. Seriously, when I'm, we were there on Saturday, I've never seen the margarita line like that. I'm like, this is not a stand. And that's all, <laughs> it's always there. Yeah. It's always here, people. This is an international. And we never made it past Norway, so I'm not sure what was left. 
that we didn't get? We, we didn't see Mexico. I don't. Oh, think. Mexico, yeah. Argentina, Chile. Um, okay. You walked around to Norway catch. and then turned around and went back. No, well, we they started in Canada. We started in Canada. So you only missed Mexico. Um, and so then you, the el- eliminations, is that, is that what it is? Yeah. That started. So we stopped for that. And En Vogue took up a huge chunk of our time. It's okay. <laughs> I'm okay with it now. But then you turned around and went back the same way? No. Then it was like everything was closed. Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, okay. It was 9 gotcha. o'clock and everybody was, it was like the massive, you know. Mm-hmm. I was trying to door. figure out the logistics of yeah, why you went turned across the back lake. And back we took a boat, that, that big globe out in the middle. I rode that back across. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> <laughs> On top of it were their Viking horns. <laughs> Good time, I, though. Yeah, I have new favorites. I tried the beef goulash in Austria. It was so good. And then I also had the box D in Ireland, which is a potato pancake with bacon and onion in it. Oh, is that what it is? I didn't know what that was. And it has herb butter. Oh, they had that once before. Yeah, it's always there. That sounds good. It's just so good. I don't want to try Germany next time. I didn't make it to Germany. Yeah, I don't do that. No, Julie, did you try the cheeses? Um, I have not yet. I tried the cheeses in Ireland because they have a a little trio of cheddars, but the ones in at the Mouse Catch one is a Manchego. Is that how I say it? One I think is an arugula. You were too full last time. Nope. Yeah, arugula's lettuce. No, not a. It's an A word though. Asiago. <laughs> That's just like yeah. the stuff you sprinkle on spaghetti. And then something else. But I do want to try those because I like cheese. I'm trying to okay. save things because I know I'm going again. So there's a few I have on my list. Like I want to try the crab cake, the We're cheese. probably going tomorrow. Yeah. I want to see Sister Hazel. <laughs> Saving myself for David Cassidy. Thank you very much, Teresa. Sure. We appreciate that very much. I think people are going to enjoy your perspective of those two events. Uh, we're, let's move on. We're going to do a forum watch next, something we haven't done in a really long time. But Corey said this would be good to do. So if it bombs, I'm blaming him. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I'm not sure how many people wouldn't know this, but um, we have a discussion forum on our site, disboards.com, and there's topics that range across the board. From basic theme park planning to Disney Cruise Line to Disney Vacation Club, um, a whole bunch of boards devoted just to the folks from the UK. There's a community board that's sort of general information that people share about each other and with each other. And every once in a while, we like to go out and see if we find a thread or a discussion that piques our interests. So everyone for this week's show went out and found something that they thought they'd like to share with everybody. So I'm going to start with mine. And mine is from the Disney Cruise Line Forum. And I actually mentioned this before when I talked about the 2010 cruises. Uh, The special summer 2010 cruises were being released by Disney Cruise Line. By the time this podcast goes out, they'll already have been up and for sale already. But we're recording this on Sunday. And they will be released uh, on Tuesday of this week, on the 14th. It's Monday. Today is Monday. Jesus, what happened to Sunday? (laughs) So they're going to be released after we record, but before the show actually goes up. And one of the things I found interesting is there's a poll on the Disney Cruise Line boards that asks people where do they want to go. Well, these itineraries, what's the most popular that they'd like to go on if they could? And the most popular is the 12-night European Capitals cruise. That's the one that goes to St. Petersburg, among other places. And that's gotten the most votes out of everything. The next... Um, most popular one of that group is uh, the 11 night Mediterranean cruises and then the 
14 night transatlantic cruises and then the rest sort of fall in between them. And again, what I found very interesting was the 12 night European capitals cruises are the most expensive ones. When we see the preliminary pricing that Disney Cruise Line has released, that's the most expensive out of all of them. And that ties with the choice would love to cruise Europe in on DCL, but not at these prices. Mm. So it kind of tells a story that Disney has appeased a certain level of people, but they've alienated the exact same amount of people from ever being able to cruise next summer. So I think it tells a story of what people are, how they're responding to these prices and and how popular these itineraries are going to be, especially once people see uh, pricing, that once their pricing comes out. Um, some of the other choices on here is uh, I'm cruising summer 2010, but not on Disney Cruise Line. I'm not cruising at all 2010, or I'm still undecided about it. So it's an interesting microcosm of what might happen. We might see this week. And I think it was interesting to point out, again, that I'm reading this and talking about it the, the day before the cruises are actually released. So um, we'll see how uh, accurate that poll winds up being when the podcast shows up and is posted. I think that Capitals Cruise is very, very exciting. I think it's going to some places that people, you know, just probably wouldn't have a chance to go otherwise. There's also that trust level of Disney. Right. You know, uh, we've heard this before. St. Peter, St. Petersburg is a very dangerous place. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's one of the highest crime cities in the world. And they say, actually say, don't ever go to St. Petersburg unless you're on a tour, on a guided tour. And I've heard that Disney Cruise Line won't let you off the ship. They're saying they're not going to let you off the ship unless you're part of a guided tour. Mm-hmm. So part of the trust factor of Disney, part of the fact that it's something new, it's Disney Cruise Line that we know and that we know the service level of, all those things go into play. Then the question becomes, after you've booked this cruise and now you wait for airfare to become available, how much is that going to play into it? And how much are shore excursions going to be? Yep. And what's the euro going to look like once you're there? I mean, we mentioned it before that, you know, Seeing another country by way of cruise ship is the best way to see it. Your room is traveling with you. You don't need to pack and, you know, Shuffle from hotel to hotel. There are things I like about it. I like that exactly what you're saying. The part that bothers me is that you go to some place like Rome and you have eight hours. Yeah, it's a taste of. <laughs> right. It's, a, it's the food and wine festival right. of traveling. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, I, I could have spent three weeks in Florence and I only got to spend a day there, you know, so. Yeah. It's good, and there's there's good parts of it, and then there's parts of it that aren't so good. Yeah, we were able to see five countries in twelve days. That's amazing. I think on that northern ca- or the European capitals, someone posted on one of the boards that there's going to be six different currencies you're going to need because they don't all take the euro. So you're going well, to have to convert huh. six different currencies on mm. that trip. I'm sure Disney Cruise Line will be prepared for that. I'm sure they will. They'll have. Currency. It's not Disney Cruise Line I would be concerned about. I think I might lose my mind. Trying to figure it out. Exactly. I'm sure they'll do a good job of keeping with the, showing you what the exchange rates would be and having that currency on board to change out uh, for when you do visit those countries. And um, I also think that we're going to see a lot of people go to other cruise lines. You know, we're going to see some people say, listen, Disney's too expensive. Let me see who else is offering a similar itinerary and let me try that. So let's see how it plays out. Um, that's it for my forum watch. Kevin, how about you? 
I chose one uh, regarding the hard-ticketed events at Disney. It's entitled, Why the Hard Tickets to All These Special Events? And it's on the theme park board. It was started by Casey Mike. And he talks about why it's... um, Do you think it's fair that someone pay another amount once you've paid to get into the park for the day? Should you then have to leave and pay another admission to go to the park event or the the nighttime events, the hard ticketed events? And there's a great deal of discussion. Someone said that most of the time, the Magic Kingdom's hours aren't until 6 p.m. Anything else after that is usually considered an extended hours. Not the extra magic hours, mind you, but extended hours due to holidays or crowds or things like that. So you really are getting a full day if you go during the day. There's a great deal of discussion on uh, are the extra ticketed events worth it? And there are people who tell you that, you know, you get to see the parks with less crowds and there's other events. And... I we've talked about this before. We do think that the extra hard ticketed events are worth it. We've given tips on the podcast about you might want to skip the park that day as opposed to paying two admissions, do something else during the day, and then go early. You're allowed in at 4 o'clock. One of the tips that people give is if you're coming anywhere around Christmas and would like to see the Christmas parade, the Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party eventually does stop it's at, up until the point where it stops the only time to actually see the christmas parade is at the Hall- uh, at the christmas party after the christmas parties are over they do start running the parade every day through the magic kingdom so it's just a matter of what where you place your value i think the thing that uh sort of doesn't get said is annual pass holders kind of pay a price for these hard ticketed events as an annual pass holder i pay for the opportunity to go to the park whenever i want these hard-ticketed events really cut into the amount of time that my annual pass is good. They take out several nights out of every year that I can't attend the park. And as an annual pass holder, you don't, we don't have that option of saying, I'll buy a, you know, people who come here can say, I'll buy a seven-day pass, and then I'll buy a pa- ticket to the party, and that'll give me an eighth day at Disney. We've already paid for the entire year, yeah. so now what do you do? You have to pay for that ticket, and you sort of double paid. I think any annual pass holder deserves the opportunity to go to one of these hard ticketed events. Yeah. It should it should be included. It should be included. I'm not suggesting that I need to go to all of them. I understand that they're trying to control the crowds, but I think my annual pass should entitle me to one of each. Right. And I've, not maybe not uh the more popular ones, maybe not a Friday or a Saturday night. I don't have to go Christmas Eve right. or, you know, Halloween night to Mickey's very merry Christmas party. But I do believe that as an annual pass holder, this is an entitlement I should be getting. I agree. Thank you for that, Kevin. Corey, what do you got? I found a fun one. It's on the photography board. It was posted in June of 2007, but it it keeps on going. It was posted by Master Mason. It's 116 pages long. It's a very visual thread, so you need to go check it out. Um, And he posts the rules. It's a game. The title is Game, Photo Pick and Share. Someone posts a photo, and the next person chooses, chooses something that is featured in or in the background of that photo or where the photo was taken and posts uh, another photo featuring that thing and so on and so forth. So an example would be someone posts a picture of Main Street. Someone would follow up with that, post a picture of a horse-drawn trolley. Since there was a horse in that picture, someone would post a picture of their son on a horse. Since the son was wearing a hat, someone would post a picture of the Mad Hatter. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. And it's still going on and on. It's like a weird tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. So 
it's a it's a fun one. It's a you know you can just keep scrolling through, and it's interesting to see how you know what people choose to to post how and follow creative up they with. Get. Yeah. yeah, very cool. And a great way. I know this is amateur to some people, but a great way to find some of these uh, really really popular threads is you go to a forum, you click on replies, and it'll organize all the threads by the most replies first. So you can find some of these really popular ongoing threads that way. Cool. Cool. Sounds like fun. Wish I had known that beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> when you were looking for your forum watch. <laughs> yeah. I'm like trying to scan all these different boards. Mine is also from the theme parks board. It was started by Pubeck on October 8th. It's five <laughs> pages long and it has 66 posts. Um, basically, it's just people giving tips about what to do at Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party or how to go about doing these things. Since people constantly ask us for tips and whether or not they should do it and what they should do, I thought this would be a really good way for people to go and find this information and ask their questions to people who have been before. Especially now, because now people are planning their Christmas mm-hmm. vacations. So I think that's a good timely one to pick. One of the best ones I found was uh, posted by Mouse Matty. And she says, forget that rides even exist in the Magic Kingdom and only do Christmas party things. There's usually another day to do Magic Kingdom on your trip. She said, we did this and it was great. There were several other people on the board that agreed with this. And then also, um, Sophie2003, you know, she said, be aware that the princesses are on a schedule and other characters. Find out what times they're going to be out, what times they switch up so you can be in line and not be disappointed. Go to the dance parties, and then what Kevin suggested as well, do your napping, your pool, and your shopping during the day, and then show up around 4 o'clock. And she says be sure and eat before 6 p.m., because after that you're going to be really busy running around trying to do everything. And then don't rush to leave right at the end of the party. Wait for the bus. The wait for the buses is going to be really long. So maybe just kind of hang around and, you know, take in some more of the sights, take some last-minute photos. And then one tip about the parade... Dan Murphy says to watch it in Frontierland because it's not as crowded as it would be on Main Street or in the hub area and to buy and wear some of the great Christmas hats they have for sale. It's lots of laughs. The only thing I would add that they didn't talk about was if you want to see the parade, the fireworks, and the show, the night, the Twas the Night Before Christmas show, you have to hit the Nightmare, or the nightmare for Before Christmas. The Night Before Christmas show first thing. They talked more about that in some of the other posts. I just Did didn't want to read everything. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's the only... I, we tried to figure it out, and it's the only way you can see all three without overlapping any of them. Cool. Thank you, Julie. Teresa, did you have one for us? I do. And since I'm new, I picked a new one that um, caught my eye. It was entitled Freebies. And I think it was on the podcast um, page. And it's things that you get for free that you don't really think about when you're on property. I think that thread started based on a conversation from an email that we read last year. Right, last week. right. Okay. Well, some of the things that caught my eye that I didn't even, you don't even think are free, you know, the torch lighting at the Polynesian, the boats between the resorts, my favorite, the little, um, what is it, the little thing that goes around the little train? Monorail. 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 Yeah, the monorail. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ride that all day. Yeah, Stella and I, I think they're going to have listeners who are thinking, the little train? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, the monorail. But my personal favorite, and I never even thought about this, is um, Ghirardelli's at Downtown Disney. You go in and get a free sample, go out, go back in, get another free sample, go yeah. out. It's free. I mean, there was just all kinds of neat things that you don't think about being free because you, you worry about the cost of everything on your trip. 
And, but you are getting a lot of freebies, too, while you're there. A lot of perks. We agree. We tried to come up with a bunch last week, and I think we kind of fell flat. Well, we kind of tried to do it off the top of our heads. Yeah. We did mention Ghirardelli, though. We did. Yeah. yeah. And a few others. There's always a lot to do and experience at Disney. So, it's, yeah. again, it depends on your d- definition of free. Right. You and you got to look. You look around and just what you're actually doing at that moment. You know, it's... I think that's good advice no matter what you're doing. Right. Disney is filled with details. And if you're rushing or you've followed uh, some format that you have to get from place to place to place in order to see everything, you're not even coming close. That's right. You're missing it. You're missing all the little shiny things that you wouldn't normally see. And That's my opinion. Agreed. Thank you, Teresa. Sure. Well, how about you? Do you have a forum watch for us? I do. I um I chose one out of the universal form because I'm a little disappointed when I saw this. R.I.P. Dueling Dragons is the the thread uh, from Chris F.L. That's the one who created it. But it's basically talking about I guess they ripped the dragons down from uh, Dueling Dragons over at uh, Islands of Adventure. They're going to retheme it? it. No, I don't think they're closing. It. I think they're retheming it for Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. So. What's it going to be? Dueling Potters. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's been a couple ideas. My pot's better than yours. <laughs> oh, mine's better than yours. One of them is like a like broomstick race. They got rid of the, the dragons, those yeah. cool dragons. Yeah. The ride itself is going to stay there. The, the um, mechanism that the oh. roller coaster is on. That's the ride where they're like coming really close to yeah. each other, right? That's my favorite. Yeah favorite ride which is Universal. weird because it kind of fits with harry potter but yeah that's one of the few things that does there's dragons <laughs> over there there's uh, dragons are a big part of one of the movies and i'm not a big harry potter buff but it feels like to me that could have been left alone you know the the oak tree the dragons that whole mm-hmm. medieval times i mean that could have tied in i don't know i hope they don't ruin it that, that was one of the best photo opportunities too you take a photo and right when those two uh two are coming right uh almost touching each other right in between those dragons that was just a great shot maybe they're putting the dragons in the um the themed rooms the portofino i think they <laughs> i think they destroyed them from what it looks like on here it looks like they just tore them down they didn't move them anywhere so mm. kind of sad hmm. maybe they'll retheme them and keep them as dragons but make them more i hope stylized so. to the movie i hope they stay to it but we'll see who knows we will see well thank you everybody we're going to have links to all of these threads in our show notes page so that uh, if you feel like checking them out and following the th- along the threads, let us know. And um, check them out. And if you think they were interesting and it was something you enjoyed, uh, post on our boards and let us know what you thought of those threads or even participate in those. We're going to move on to Kevin. Kevin Close has a review of Nine Dragons in Epcot. Nine Dragons recently came out of a rehab, and he's going to tell us about his latest dining experience there. We uh, had lunch there on Sunday. We called up on Saturday and made a reservation. There was no problem getting any time pretty much on Sunday to eat in Nine Dragons. And I ate there not too long ago, and Nine Dragons has a sort of horrible reputation. And we went there, and while we did not think the food was that bad, I did have some issues. First of all, it had that sort of 1980s overdone Chinese restaurant look with the red hanging lanterns. It was it was very um cliche. Yeah, it was a cliche. 
The other problem I had was its handicapped accessibility. Each of the tables had a carved wooden apron on it, which precluded someone in a wheelchair from sliding under the table. So they had designated two tables as handicapped accessible, and they were put in the back corner of the restaurant closest to the kitchen entrance. I felt that that was a real issue and talked about that. I'm happy to say that Nine Dragons has, I don't want to say been modernized, because it still has um, what looks like Disney-created Chinese antiquities, and it ha- but it has a very um, updated look. When you walk in, there's a nice stone floor, a carved stone floor, and there are two walls that are made to look like jade. It was explained to us that the, what the dragon symbolism is in China, and the dragons are uh, good luck. And they're searching on one of the walls. There's a giant circular thing that looks like a pearl, which has some little lights inside it. And the pearl is knowledge. So it's the dragons are searching for the pearl. I was very, very impressed. It's a very sleek, modern take on a Chinese restaurant. There are still the lanterns. However, they're very modern. They're hooked to track lighting and they're grouped and they're cloth and it it just it it looks like a very modern update on the chinese decorating so i was really pleased with that again they've done away with the the skirts the carved wooden skirts on the tables so now every restaurant every table in the restaurant is handicapped accessible when we got there the restaurant was absolutely full we had we actually arrived a half an hour early Yesterday it was starting to look like the weather might change, so we decided that instead of killing a half an hour walking around Epcot, we were going to attempt to get in early, and we had no problem with that. They took us immediately. Couldn't have been nicer about it. And we sat pretty much right in the window overlooking the promenade around World Showcase, so there was no more of that, and if you're in a wheelchair, you're sitting in the back of the room kind of thing. They brought us our uh, our lunch menus. There are five cold appetizers, things like cucumber salad, a spicy beef, a sliced thin slicey beef and tossed with a cilantro chili dressing, a fragrant chicken, shrimp summer rolls, and an appetizer trio. They range from $11.98 for the appetizer trio to the least expensive thing are the fragrant chicken and the cucumber salad at $5.98. There are also five different hot appetizers ranging from 10.98 for the general tsao's dumplings to 6.98 for the pot stickers. After that, there are three different soups and salads. There's a hot and sour soup, a chicken consomme with pork dumplings, which any place else in the world is called wonton soup. And there's a vegetarian fried rice. Oh, I'm sorry, there's two others, two two salads. There's a Chinese chicken salad, and then you can have the soup and Chinese chicken salad combo. The soup and salad combo is fourteen ninety eight. The chicken salad by itself is twelve ninety eight. So for two extra dollars, you get a bowl of soup. They then have a, uh, three different box lunches: Canton, uh, Canton pepper beef brisket, uh, saucy chicken, or a Xi'an pulled pork. This comes with a light beef soup and Chinese coleslaw. That's eighteen ninety nine. And then there are. 
eight different appetizers. Honey sesame chicken. Sweet entrees. Entrees. I apologize. I said appetizers. Honey sesame chicken, sweet and sour pork, peppery shrimp with spinach noodles, Kung Pao chicken, Shanghai beef and tofu, fragrant five-spiced fish, vegetarian stir-fry, and nine dragons fried rice. These range in price from fourteen sixty-eight for the vegetarian, excuse me, the vegetarian entree, to twenty-one ninety-eight for the fragrant five-spiced fish. Uh, the servers are now all wearing these orchid-colored smock jackets, which look very nice. And as I say, the restaurant inside looks absolutely beautiful. We decided to order a bunch of appetizers. We had no time frame yesterday, so we were kind of just ready to enjoy a leisurely lunch. So, as we've told you before, we usually order our appetizers, and once an appetizer order has been placed or the appetizers have arrived, then go ahead and order our entree. Otherwise, Disney tends to stack your dishes up. You could still be just get your appetizer or have halfway through your appetizer and your entree arrives. We wanted to take a little more time. We started with the pot stickers. John ordered the pot stickers. I ordered the shrimp and chicken egg roll. And we tried something called the shrimp and taro lollipops. I'll explain more about those later. We also ordered for my mom a chicken consomme with pork dumplings and a vegetarian fried rice. I know it's a lot of appetizers. We wanted to come back and tell you what we thought. I had the shrimp and chicken egg roll. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've taken some pictures of most of the things that we ordered. Some things got consumed before we remembered we had the camera. <laughs> You're not going to get to see the soup or the vegetarian fried rice. We ate them before we realized we even had the camera with us. But the shrimp and chicken egg roll were, I believe you got six pieces. So it's like three egg rolls for seven ninety eight. These are tender shrimp, roasted chicken, and fresh vegetables served with a plum chili and ginger soy sauce. These were delicious. They were crispy. They were filled with red and green pepper. The shrimps were, the shrimp were, I want to say they were tiny. They were tiny to non-existent. These were really more chicken egg roll. However, that's not a complaint. They were very, very good. John got the pot stickers. What did you think? The pot stickers were average. I wouldn't go out of my way to get them again. I want to go back to your your egg roll. It was very different from your you think of a normal egg roll. This was uh, sort of a large egg roll that was cut up, and it was freshly fried. So they came out hot. The outside was hot and crispy. And it was fairly large. I mean, it had the diameter of, say, a half a dollar piece. So, you know, when you think about egg roll, this isn't your traditional egg roll. You know when you bite into an egg roll and you pull it open and the stuff inside has been ground? It's kind of nondescript. or The cabbage all falls out on you. You kind of can't figure out what's what. There's no doubt what's what in here. These are large pieces. You know what's the chicken, what's the red pepper, what's the green pepper. It's... I thought it was quite good. And the, the pot stickers were nothing to, to write home about. They were nothing special. I mean, I don't know if I would get them again, but they're also a good they're a good judge of the restaurant because almost everybody knows what good pot stickers are or what good dumplings are, and they were okay. The chicken consomme with pork dumplings, it was a clear chicken broth with two pork dumplings and some green onion sliced into it, and I, I wouldn't rave about it. I wouldn't say it was bad. It was basic wonton soup the vegetarian fried rice uh this was also a mixed response the rice 
in my opinion, could have steamed a little bit longer. I thought it was still a little nutty in texture. It was a little not done enough for me. It's a nice large portion for three ninety eight, and it had a good taste. It just could have been done a little bit more. The when we ordered our appetizer, our this was the only misstep in our entire meal. Our server let us know that because of the fact that they were so busy that our appetizers were going to take a long time. And we thought, okay. And John actually said to him, well, if there's appetizers that are ready, we don't have to get them all at once. We're really kind of easygoing. Bring them out as they're done. Well, we waited. Uh, The soup and the fried rice came out very quickly. The other appetizers didn't. And we're talking 25 minutes. We waited 25 minutes. Now, again, We were not in any kind of a hurry. We had no schedule. However, if we were there touring Epcot and we're looking to fit in all of the different sights and sounds of Epcot, I would have been a little peeved by the fact that we had sat this long. As a matter of fact, we saw other people who waited and waited and waited, and they got up and left. There was a nice young family sitting next to us who had children, and we kept um, they were waiting as long as we did. We kept mentioning how well-behaved their kids were. I mean... We were adults and weren't this well-behaved waiting for our food to come out. (laughs) We were pretty cranky. Right. No, we really weren't. So finally, most of the appetizers came out, and then he explained to us that it really wasn't a problem with the kitchen. It really wasn't a problem with the appetizers. It was the shrimp and taro lollipops, which took so long. And John had explained to him that, you know, you could even bring them out with the entree. It's really not a big deal. Bring our food out. We want to get this show on the road. Well, we were almost done with our appetizers when our entrees came out, and the shrimp and taro lollipop—excuse me—the shrimp and taro lollipop appetizer did finally come out with the entrees. This is four lightly fried. I'm going to read their description: delicious and playful take on the traditional dim sum favorite, served with special winshang dipping sauce. That doesn't really tell you at all what it is. It's a puffy ball with a shrimp inside it and it's cooked quickly so that the ball kind of blows up and then it's stuck on a lollipop stick and it comes out served on this board with holes drilled in it so your lollipops stand up like little trees it's a very cute uh, presentation it's kind of expensive at $9.98 that's $2.50 a lollipop and we didn't think they were worth the weight or the money. Again, they're cute, but once you bit into them, the little puffy ball kind of fell apart, and you were left with a little overcooked shrimp and some dough. It wasn't like the the whole coating was around the shrimp. It was like the shrimp was loose inside, like rattling around like a little marble. Like, a, was, bo- <laughs> like a little ball inside a whistle. <laughs> it was really strange. However... The dipping sauce, that was out of this world. How big was it? I mean, we're talking softball, baseball? No, ping pong ball. Right, ping think, pong. think of a ping pong ball with a tiny little shrimp rattling around inside. Yeah, the, the sauce was, you know, we made them leave that so that we can dip <laughs> everything into it. If I was going back, I would ask for more of that sauce. It was that good. Um, the entrees were, uh, th- we had three successful entrees. Uh, my mom had the 
honey sesame chicken. Now, I've seen some posts on the board that talk about the size of these portions. This was sixteen ninety eight, and it was a lunch portion, and... I thought it was way more than adequate. I thought it was a fairly large size portion of food. Uh, John had the boxed lunch, which was the Canton pepper beef brisket, which came with a bowl of beef soup. And I had, I decided to try something that I've had before. Well, not necessarily at Nine Dragons. I ordered the Kung Pao chicken. Kung Pao chicken you can get pretty much anywhere. So I wanted to compare it to other Kung Pao chickens. I figured that was a good way to test to see if I thought it was okay or not. Uh, out of all the appetizers, my mom's entree, however, was delicious. She had, as I said, the honey sesame chicken. It was tender, large, tender pieces of white meat chicken in this light, light breading and a really nice sticky but nice honey dip honey sauce it wasn't overly sweet a lot of times when you get this entree in other places the breading has been fried till it's crunchy this was cooked perfectly it was light and sweet and just sweet enough so but not cloyingly sweet and it was served with a serving of uh, white rice as i said i had the kung pao chicken which was a serving of kung pao chicken it was appropriately spiced. They, it comes with those long red Chinese peppers in there. I apologize. I don't know the name for them. However, if you eat them, your head explodes. So the first thing I do when I get Kung Pao chicken is I go make, go through and find them and make sure that I put them off to the side. I like the taste of them. I just don't want to eat them. And mine was, as I say, appropriately spiced. Mine also came with a serving of white rice. My Kung Pao chicken was fifteen ninety eight. And I'm going to let John tell you about his Canton pepper beef brisket. Uh, I wanted to try the box lunch to see what the whole thing was about. And these are very interesting servings. They uh, come with a piece of bread. And what's the bre- how do you describe the bread? Handcrafted fresh-baked sesame bread. You get this large triangle of bread about two inches high with a very dark sesame toasted outside. And at first you think this is going to be this giant hard piece of bread. It's very soft, and it I guess it's kind of like you're going to use that to eat with, and you can maybe make a sandwich with it. It was delicious. Um, the beef was kind of like a pepper steak, prepared like a pepper steak with a nice brown gravy on top of it with peppers and onions. Absolutely delicious. And on the side was the, the beef soup. And you had to kind of get past how it looked. Kind of looked like dishwater with boogers in it. <laughs> it was this off gray color and the meat had been, you ever boil meat? And you see it's gray with sort of these gray pieces of beef in it. It was kind of gross to look at. It was really tasty and really delicious. So I'm glad I tried it. I, I, if I go back, I would try one of the other box lunches. I thought the bread was really good. I thought the, the meat part was good. And I think while it's a little expensive for a lunch, 20 bucks for a lunch. I still think you got a good amount of food. I enjoyed mine. We all had ice water. There were no drinks involved. And we decided to try their desserts. Uh, we wanted to give you the full idea of what to expect. We had something. Actually, in this situation, John picked this out. We had the banana cheese egg roll. Banana cheesecake egg roll. Yeah. It was drizzled with caramel sauce and served with your favorite ice cream. Now, I don't know if it's because we waited as long as we did, 
or if this is the way it's normally served, but we got small three small servings of ice cream with it. We got a, a red bean strawberry ice cream, a caramel ginger ice cream, and a vanilla ice cream. And we got this egg roll that's filled with banana and cheesecake and deep fried and now then drizzle. Now think of a traditional egg roll like you get at the store. That's what this looked like, a traditional egg roll, but filled with banana and brown sugar and a cheesecake-like filling. Oh, my God, it was good. It was really, really good. Now, here's the really funny part. John's not a dessert eater, and I am. I'm usually the one who can't wait for dessert, and he's usually the one who says this is, it's going to look better than it tastes. Disney desserts are always not so great. We had exactly the opposite reaction to this re- dessert. John thought it was absolutely wonderful, and I thought it was kind of gross. I just didn't. It wasn't to my liking at all. It was a uh, egg roll filled with cheesecake and banana, and it was warm because it was deep fried. What so did it look like inside? I mean, was it, it was like- soft and mushy inside? Almost it was like- a whole banana. I mean, there was not. They hadn't mushed the banana up. It was so you could see when what you it was. broke into it. You could see that there was a whole banana in there. But you could see that they wrapped it up with the brown sugar and the caramel, so it's had a sort of this layered roll effect to it. I thought it was very good. I really enjoyed it. I thought the caramel ginger ice cream was terrific and the strawberry red bean ice cream was great. Vanilla ice cream vanilla ice cream. I didn't see anything noteworthy about it. This dessert was eight ninety eight. Now, our entire total came to uh, cents under $100 for three of us. And with the Disney dining, or I'm sorry, whatever it's called now, the tables in Wonderland. Tables in Wonderland. How much was it? 96 and change. But then that included an 18% gratuity. Correct. I thought the food was wonderful. I thought it was, it's very expensive for Chinese food. And I think the problem with Nine Dragons, and I don't know that this rehab and menu change is going to really alter what the underlying problem is. I don't know about where all you listeners, what it's like near your house, but where we live, there is a takeout Chinese place in any direction you go mm-hmm. where for $20 you can bring home a grocery sack full of food. So I think Chinese food, at least around here, has that aura of cheap and fast. Yeah, we have delivery, and it's always great. Yeah. So and, and that, that was my other point. It's always it's reasonably priced and it's good. This is expensive Chinese food that's not wildly different. I mean, I can get Kung Pao chicken and wonton soup on the corner. But that's why I picked mine because I thought mine was a little more exotic and a little bit more different. And we did try the exotic appetizer, but and again, my egg roll, I can't say anything bad about it. The food was very, very good. However, it's pricey. And you're in Disney World. And as you're walking around World Showcase, there are cuisines and restaurants and opportunities to try things that you can't have delivered to your house or stop on the way home and pick up on the way home from work and pick up. So I think that's the problem that's going to plague Nine Dragons. There are places, though, that you can't get Chinese takeout real easily. You know, well, rural and- communities and... Again, I don't know what everybody's situation is. At least where I live, it's really readily available. And I don't live in a big town. I mean, I live in a really small kind of town for, by Florida standards. So I'm, I don't have anything bad to say about the restaurant. It's just I don't know if they're going to be able to come, overcome the stigma of 
this is something I can get on the way home for less money. Yeah. Chinese food is also one of those things where people get adamant about their favorite places. Right. We have the best Chinese restaurant in the world. And then someone else will go there and say, this stinks. <laughs> so, you know, I think people have a different taste and, and what to expect. Tell them the name of one of the servers. <laughs> The server at the table next to us was Wingman. It was a little Chinese girl, very cute, and her name tag said Wingman. Huh. Do I you love think, it. <laughs> do you think that was a translation issue or what? <laughs> W-I-N-G-M-A-N. And that just fascinated it's me. It's probably pronounced like Vingman or something. I, we, I don't know. her. It, it said Wingman. Yeah. If she was our server, we would have grilled her. Unless her parents just really <laughs> liked beer commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Uh, to finish this up, as far as restaurants go on Disney property, I give this one two thumbs up. I thought it was really good. and But I've told you what my, my thought process is on why Nine Dragons is going to have a hard time overcoming the fact that it's available on the next corner for a lot less money. However, you're not an Epcot. So I say give it a try. And don't worry about the size of the portions. We came out stuffed. So enjoy. Thank you, Kevin. All right, that'll do it for this week's show. Uh, I thank everybody for listening and, and downloading the podcast and giving us another opportunity. Um, we will be back tomorrow with uh, the email edition of our show. But for now, thanks for listening to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable. <laughs>